everyone. This is The Love Code, and thanks for joining me today. This is a program that I really hope will uplift you, inspire you, open your hearts, and connect you to the world of infinite possibilities, especially this is such a perfect time to be inspired. So I'm so glad you're joining me today as we have these weekly conversations with spiritual teachers, uh, spiritual healers, uh, people on interesting paths of their own personal spiritual journey. And as always, we have a, a great guest in store for you today. Uh, before there, before we go there, I just want to invite you, if you're listening for the first time, I always like to welcome new listeners, and I always like to invite you to either go to my website, which is dr for drcherylselman.com, and opt in there, because I get to send the archives of all of my podcasts to you directly. I have a second show on Progressive Radio Network, which is every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That's called What Women Must Know. So if you go to Dr. Cheryl Selman and opt in there, you can actually get my weekly shows right to your inbox. Or if you go to my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know, that's the name of my other show, you can um, you can just uh, friend me there, and uh, you'll see that my weekly shows are posted on my Facebook page as well. So either way you go, you can catch up with all of the great guests that I have every week, and hope you'll be joining me every week as well. Oh, we all need to be uplifted and inspired these days, and there's so much inspiration, so much healing open to us. So. I am doing my best to share that with you. And you'll love my guest today and what we're talking about. We're going to be talking actually about a fascinating subject. And for all of you out there who love horses, I, I used to play with horses when I was a little girl. And I had my cowgirl outfit and I had my rocking horse. And I would rock for hours with my cowgirl hat on. <laughs> I had a horse fantasy. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about how horses help to heal our dysregul dysregulated nervous system. And my guest today is Cindy Jacobs, who is coming to us all the way from Victoria in Australia. So um, I'm so excited to have And just a little bit about Cindy. She is the founder and program director of Free Reign Australia since 2004. She previously founded and managed a change management business serving large corporations in Australia and overseas for over 15 years. Cindy also worked as an executive coach focusing on personal, professional, and leadership development. In addition to being a certified coach, she is a transpersonal counselor and a somatic experiencing practitioner. Her work is inspired by her own experience with her herd of 16 horses and her discovery of what they offer to human growth and development. So we have a great interview in store for all of you, and uh, I'm so happy to welcome Cindy all the way from Victoria, Australia. Hello, Cindy. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you for um, having me on your show. It's a real privilege. I really appreciate it. And also sharing uh, my discoveries of, of uh, the potential that horses have for us to heal our traumas and to grow spiritually and um, even heal our own um, uh, our own illnesses or disorders. So it's like a the best kept secret, and um, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to to share what I've discovered. Well, uh, well, thanks for being with us, and I'm sure I'm so glad I discovered you. You know, as I said earlier, I'm kind of an urban cowgirl, believe it or not. You know, I actually lived at one point in my life on a horse ranch, a horse farm. They called it a horse farm in in uh, south part of England, and I had a friend who owned this property, and she would be riding a huge, beautiful white uh, stall Arabian stallion. And I was on a little Welsh mountain pony. Can you get the image of that? And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we'd ride together, and I felt like I was living uh, Santo Panzo 
Sancho Panza's life, you know, <laughs> of La Mancha and this little horse, this little pudgy horse with this uh, big stallion next to me. <laughs> like, it was so funny. But um, that was such a great time, you know, and I would muck out the stables and this little Welsh mountain pony was so well trained and, you know, we just ride around and, um, you know, work with the kids and it was, it was a wonderful time. It was like living one of my fantasies of hanging out with horses, <laughs> you know, uh, and just being in that world. And so, uh, so it's great to have you because horses are really magical animals. I don't think we truly appreciate the intelligence of them and how they can really support us in our healing. So, um, so tell us a little bit about how you found your way into the world of, of horses as therapists for us. Okay. Um, I'm not a horsey person. So um, I used to ride a long time ago, but I was more of a hanger-oner than a rider. So I really, you know, I just, it, it, I wasn't, uh, that wasn't meant to be my path. And um but I'd always had an obsession with horses, like a lot of little girls. And and uh, by the time I had reached my 40s, early 40s, I thought, well, there's really no, no you know, I'm going to have to give up that dream. And um, a woman that was working for me at the time had some horses, and she invited me up to her place. And, and it just ignited my, my obsession, because that's what it is, an obsession with horses. And so I just had to have one. And so... She helped me get my first horse and and then you know then my second and then my third and and um <clears throat> I just started to accumulate horses, so I just loved them so much and uh, my partner at the I time. Just had the, I just yeah. have to jump in, Cindy. That's such an interesting yeah. image. Right? You know, some people have a session with shoes, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, yeah, or sweaters or something. But no, you have horses. <laughs> you collect them. Yeah. That's an expensive I obsession. <laughs> I know. In fact, um, our medical system here, our, um, our government um, system is called Medicare. And I often joke that Medicare should cover horse obsession in their in their you know um, <laughs> plans or their treatment or whatever you know coverage because so, it is can be quite an obsession. So um, yes, I accumulated these horses and I just loved them and each one was this you know just taught me something else. And at the time I was I was attempting to ride them and not very well. And I had a partner. Um, and he had a particular horse named Royal. And she was this big, big horse. Like she must have been on steroids because she was massive. And and one day after it had been raining, surprisingly, we got rain in Australia. And it had been raining for several months. We went out to visit our new little herd of horses. And she touched the electric fence and spun around and ran away from it. And I was at that I don't know, maybe 50 feet away, and she literally ran over the top of me. And before that had happened, I would joke about her not having a personality, like just being like lights on, nobody home, and and because I didn't realize that she was dissociated, and um, and so she just wasn't in her body. You know, she was just this this body that was just moving around and disconnected. And I didn't realize that until that moment when she ran over the top of me. And it was like it was in slow motion. As she stepped on me, she ripped away my ligaments from my knee. And then, then she stepped on my elbow and ripped that away. And, and then she put her hoof on my chest. And I put my hand across my chest. And I was thinking to myself, no, not the boobs, not the boobs. <laughs> and she put, she put her hoof on my hand and... In that split second, it was like time stood still, and we both knew instantly that if she put her weight on my chest, that she would have punctured my lungs and probably killed me. And so she knew it, and I knew it, and like I knew that she knew, and she knew that I knew. It was just this moment where we we both just merged into that knowingness. And so she shifted her weight off me and off my chest and kicked me in the face instead. <laughs> and... and um, left me sort of in a pile in the mud and so my partner took me to the hospital and and uh, there was no no serious damage and and we came home later that day and she was in the arena 
with a few other horses in the far corner and I walked up to the fence and she, this is a horse that never connected with me, just ne- it was never there. And she left, she left the safety of her little herd friends and she ran all the way across the arena and stood in front of me. And I don't know where this thought came from because it wasn't mine. And she just stood there, looked me up and down and she said, oh, thank God you're okay because the others told me I was going to be dog food and I was so worried. And then she spun around and left. <laughs> and I, I'm standing there, what the heck was that? <laughs> and, and so, it, you know, that was my first taste that these beings, that like there is somebody in there and there is somebody that can communicate and that has this level of intelligence and awareness. And um, so it kind of started me on my journey to explore, you know, who are you? And because I'd never grown up with horses, I don't have any preconceived ideas about how horses should be. So I was really lucky in that way that I could go with a completely open mind to, well, who who is this being that I'm dealing with? And um, and so it opened me up uh, to receive more from them. And it was like they knew that I knew and they started dumping on me, if you like. They start, it's more like pushing me, you know, go further, go further. You need to know more. You need to know more. So that kind of kick-started my journey with horses. And I stopped riding horses because I, um, a little voice in my head one day said, so do you, do you think your horse likes being sat on and having, you know, things in its mouth and being pulled around and told what to do? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And the little voice said, uh, I I think you do. Oh, okay, well, no, maybe the horse doesn't. And the horse says, well, you know, would you like it? And I go, well, no. And then the voice said, so do you love your horse? And, like, I knew where this was going. I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then the voice goes, and so if you love your horse, why would you? Okay, okay. <laughs> so after that, that little argument that I had in my head, I hung up all six of my saddles and never rode a horse ever since. So, um, and my horse has changed. It's like, you know, they they started to show more of their personality. They were cheeky. They were, um, yeah, they just showed up more. And so it became this journey of like, well, who are you? And uh, And so we started working together and they started in my opinion, started attracting people to me to work with. And so it's, you know, I, I kind of think that they're using me. It's not me using them. So they're using me to get their work done. <laughs> so that's kind of the short story of how I got in there. <laughs> and and the, I guess the link between, so I was pretty much mainstream working in corporate and horses were kind of my hobby and, I would go to, I I was doing a lot of executive coaching and I would go into Melbourne and work with my clients and come home and, and, um, and I started to realize like, oh, where is everybody? Like they had just disappeared on me and I discovered that feeding them didn't give me leadership rights. And so it's like, oh, okay. So I have to be a leader. I have to be someone that they respect as a leader. And it's kind of like the same, the same thing that we look for in our human leaders. This is what the horses look for. So they want someone that's, you know, that is respectful, that communicates clearly, that's confident, that cares about them, that's compassionate, and makes good decisions, clear direction. Now, all of that sort of stuff, and the horses were looking for that in me too. So I started on my own journey of, well, how do I become a better leader for my herd? And so they let me know for sure when I was not on the right path because they would just knock me over or, you know, just just leave. <laughs> like, come on, guys, give me a break. <laughs> so so they, they, um, they were very patient with me because I think I was a bit of a slow learner. And um, I started offering programs to corporate groups. And, and the interesting thing about that was that, you know, in a group setting, a work setting, people – need to protect their, you know, have to have some emotional safety. And so what was happening, though, was people would arrive and they would start bursting into tears or 
it would get really emotional and start to just drop in really deep and really fast and like it was not the right place to be you know so vulnerable in a in a work setting and but it was almost like they couldn't help it and um and I discovered that 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 was what the horses were causing was causing people's stuff if you like to just come up to the surface to be dealt with and I realized I didn't have sufficient skills to support people when they're going through those processes so I then went on to do my uh, counseling training and then my trauma training because you know we all have trauma really it's just a you know, whether it's a big T or a little T, we all, we're in physical bodies and we, we have stuff that happens to us that overwhelms our, our fragile nervous systems. And so it can be something as simple as, um, well, not simple, but, you know, losing our job or like right now, you know, everyone's in trauma around the world with the shock of what's happening. And so it's possible that, you know, that causes a bit of a disruption in our nervous system regulation. And, um, and so, uh, I had to learn how to manage that, and like I said, my horses were bringing stuff up, and and so I started on another path, working with my horses to work with with stress and trauma and anxiety and um, the full spectrum of of what happens to us in, as human beings, from you know the, the physical. Um, traumas and things that happen to childhood attachment and childhood trauma as well as spiritual emergence and and you know what how our bodies go through a shock when when you know that spiritual energy in our bodies start to wake up and what do we do with that so it's kind of like the full spectrum and the horses are able to support us as we you know wherever we're at on that continuum we um, we just jump in and, and start from there. So you'll have to tell us more how you do this because the the when I found out about you is through some you know weird Facebook connection, some place I don't normally go, but um, and and there was a video of you and a group of people bringing chairs to sit in a circle in your in your paddock. And then all these horses would come around and lie down in the circle, <laughs> around the circle with everybody. Like, say they all be hanging out together. I mean, it's, but it's so interesting to see horses just lie down. You don't see them just lie down that easily, you know. And I mean, and they were doing it around the circle with everybody sitting there. It was the most amazing sight to see. <laughs> That's a, program that I run once a month and we call it the water hole even though there's no water around um, it's it's more about the concept of gathering around something and um, so it's kind of a mindfulness uh, morning so some people call it horse so we just we just gather once a month and yeah we sit in a circle because the horses want to get in the middle and so we can't see each other when when there's a few horses standing in the middle of our circle so we sit in a tight little circle so the horses have to stay on the outside. Um, and, yeah, yeah, they do – they gradually lay down. It doesn't usually start right away. But as we become more settled in our bodies, as we become more coherent, our breathing starts to settle, you know, our minds that stops to chatter, and we just get more and more present, the horses are responding to that, and they feel safe. And so they lay down around us and – um, and, and part of the reason that they lay down too is that they slow their heart rate down when they lay down. And so if our hearts are beating too fast, if we've got too, if we're holding too much anxiety, the horses know that if they can slow their heart rate down, which is they slow their breathing down, which then causes their heart to slow down. And when they lay down, they even go even slower. So they're in that really slow rhythmic breathing that our bodies entrain to their rhythm because their rhythm is more powerful than ours. So it's just physics, you know, the, the powerful, the stronger, more powerful oscillating field causes the weaker chaotic one to start to synchronize or entrain with it. So just being in the horse's space 
without even doing anything as long as we allow ourselves to be present and stop the mental chatter a bit, our bodies start to synchronize to the rhythm of the horses, which then brings us into autonomic balance. And the autonomic balance is that that nervous system, that autonomic nervous system which regulates every cell, every organ, everything in the body. If that autonomic nervous system is dysregulated, and for most of us it is because we live in a Western culture and there's always stuff going on and a bill to pay or somewhere to go and something to do. So we never really drop into that resting, settling, digesting space that the horses offer. And so, um, yeah, if our nervous system is dysregulated, then our bodies are compromised. Every part of our body is compromised. So over a period of time, of course, our bodies deteriorate and then we start to experience disorders and dis-ease and pain. And so in my opinion and, and, and according to my training, you have to get the autonomic nervous system right first. So no amount of, of other things have much benefit if your nervous system is misfiring. So whether it, you're taking supplements or you're eating a healthy diet or you're exercising, all of those things are beneficial. But if your nervous system is not regulated, then you're kind of fighting a losing battle because the nervous system is going to win. And that nervous system is your fight-flight response or it's responsible for your flight-flight response. So, you know, the anxiety, the fear, the nerves, all of that sort of stuff is always going to hijack our health. So the key is to get your autonomic nervous system as calm and, and regulated on a regular basis as you can for your body to function better. So tell us some of the experiences you have had in working with your clients and the horses. Okay. Um, so I think probably one one that um, stands out is a woman who had cerebral palsy. Um, <clears throat> she was brought to us and we wheeled her into the arena and um, the horses had never seen a wheelchair before, so they, they, they're all, horses are curious animals, and so they wandered in and they wanted to check out this wheelchair. So they came in and they started sniffing it, and as they got closer, uh, she was kind of hunched over and with cerebral palsy, um, people have, you know, uncontrolled sort of jerking movements, and so she was kind of hunched over and every once in a while she would bob her head up and kind of jerk and then drop again and jerk. And the horses were really startled at first by this unusual movement. And they crowded around her and then one by one, they laid down on the ground around her. And so I've got this photo of her, of, of this sea of horses, horse bodies, laying on the ground surrounding this woman sitting in a wheelchair. And uh, it took a little while. It probably took about an hour and a half. They didn't move. They just stayed on the ground. And her jerking movements all but stopped. And she sent me an email later saying that since being with the horses, that you know, her her body, she's got more control over her body and it's not jerking as much. And so my guess is that the horses were co-regulating her nervous system. They had basically wow. taken over her nervous system and they were the ones that were causing her body to start to function better because they basically yeah, were, were regulating you know, her autonomic nervous system, which controls the other parts of her body. So that was pretty cool. There was another one which was uh, a bit different. <clears throat> and um, I used to do this thing called um, horse reiki. And I kind of experimented once and I put a table in my round yard and, and invited my friend to lay on the table and see what the horses did. And they would come over and they would stand over her body and and the, I tried it on a few people. And they said, oh, it feels like they're running energy. Like, you know, one a horse would stand at the foot and one would stand at the person's head and they could feel energy running up and down their bodies. And, and each person was different. And um, so... I started to offer that and 
people had all these different amazing experiences and this one woman came and she laid on the table and and the horses surrounded her there's 12 horses so the gate was open and there they came in by choice and so they surrounded her and then it was like a ritual like one at a time would step up and scan her body from foot to head and then would walk over to the rail do a big poop and then take their place back in the circle and then the next horse would do the same thing, scan, poop, and then the next one, scan, poop. And they went one by one around the circle in that order until the last horse. And then the last horse stepped forward and with her nose started punching around her ab- abdomen. <laughs> and <clears throat> so with her nose, like just kind of pushing and pushing. And um, later, after the session was over, the woman said that she had a 12-centimeter tumor on her pancreas and the horse was pushing on that spot. And <clears throat> so my guess what happened is that energetically the horses were drawing the chemo, uh, whatever toxic stuff was in her body, they were drawing it out of her and they were dumping it in this poo pile, which mm-hmm. was like a week's worth of poo. It was like, where did that all come from? Hmm. So she came back two weeks later and she was in remission and the uh, the tumor had shrunk and she was looking um, like she was alive again because she, she didn't really look that healthy at the time and her care that came with her so that she was completely different, that she had energy, that she was had vitality, that there was a massive shift that had taken place since she had been with the horses and so my my guess there was again that the horses were clearing the toxins and the energy blocks from her and and often they touch if there's a block of energy in our bodies whether it's um you know pain or you know there's been an injury or whatever it is it's it's a block of energy so pain is just blocked energy and they will they will uh, touch those parts of our body and people often comment that all of a sudden there's movement or there's a sense of lightness or flow or something shifts when they touch them there and so it's almost like the horses are directing their coherent energy to that spot and it just causes the block to to you know to disperse and then the body can start to self-heal so it's not like the horses are you know magical healers but they have this capacity to break up blocked energy in our bodies, and we talk about how dogs can can sniff and they can they can alert us to cancer and other illnesses that people have before they're detectable on on our medical devices. And so, it makes sense to me that horses, having such a powerful sense of smell and such and such an acute awareness of the most subtle shifts in the environment that they too can notice what's happening in our bodies and they direct their energy to those spots. And so um, I observed my horses doing that quite a bit, but <laughs> one day they stopped doing it. And had a, you know had a client come and the horses were like, no, we're not going in. I'm like, come on, guys, go in. I'm like, no, we're not doing it. And they just said, talk to the horse, we're not doing it anymore. And so all of a sudden I had to stop offering that to people because the horses said we're not doing it we're not doing it because we can clear the blocks we can you know we can help people heal but unless they go to the source of what caused the problem in the first place it's only going to come back and so we'll continue to work and we'll continue to um, help people heal but we don't want it to be passive we want people engaged in this work and 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 doing their own self-healing. So they basically booted me out and I had to go do my trauma training because I was like, all right, <laughs> I couldn't do more. My trauma training is somatic-based. So somatic-based meaning that it's a, it's a body-based modality. So again, it's about trauma is is what happens to our bodies. And so the energy of trauma gets trapped in our bodies and the horses and I help the client to track where that energy is trapped. 
and to shift it out. So, yeah, so the horse was just, you know, like one day they just said, no, we're not doing it anymore. And I had to, like, <clears throat> most of my business had started to, to come from people wanting to do the Reiki work. And I basically had to shut down for a couple of months because the horses said, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> so I well, had to, did, like... Did you get that message from them or did you surmise it? How, how, how did you come uh, to that it, conclusion? It was from them because, you know, it, it, the the way I, I sense that it's from them is because I don't have thoughts like that, you know, like... There's no preceding thought that comes into my head like that. You know, talk to the horse. That's not something I would say. And <laughs> and and they just said, no, you know, we're not doing this anymore. So, um, yeah, I know they have to work hard because I don't I don't readily uh, hear what they have to say. So they really have to get my attention. Uh, I'm not I'm not a proficient animal communicator. And um, mm-hmm. so the horses, you know, they have to put it in a language. They have to be really expressive. They have to, like, go over the top for Cindy to get it. So <laughs> I'm sure they would <laughs> prefer to have a, a human that's that's easier to work with, but they're stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that, that's so fascinating, you know, that they would, you know, initially would come over and, and that story you told about, you know, one after another in the circle, that's so bizarre, right? That's not usual behavior yeah. at all. Yeah, that's not something usual. Going on, and yeah. uh, and then and then they decided now people need to take responsibility and start doing their own stuff. We can, I, I get it, you know. <laughs> you, you have to hear yourself ultimately, you know. You have to. Yeah. 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 So, so, so you've quite a journey here. Oh my Sorry. gosh, so fascinating. I mean, you know, it's fascinating because you do your work with your clients in the paddock, in the corral that, you know, with the horses who choose to come or not come, right? Yes, yes. So they're all at liberty and they and they want to work together. So if I were to bring one horse into the yard, the others would just automatically follow because they just want to be together. And they do different things. So... <clears throat> Um, in our pre-conversation before this call, as I mentioned, you know, that the, the female horses tend to have more of a nurturing quality, and this is just a generalization, and the, and the male horses are more expressive. And so the male horses will show us things that are happening in our lives perhaps that we're not aware of. So apart from our physical healing, you know, there's, there's all the stories that go on in our lives that we sometimes don't deal with or don't know how to deal with and or not even know that how they're there. And um I think my own my own experience was was a real uh tough pill to swallow um because the horses will show us what we're not dealing with and so I was with uh, many years ago I was with, in a relationship and it was not working very well and my partner and I my former partner and I were we were at each other's throats just like just any conversation and it we just had barbs to it you know we were just it was just unpleasant and the energy of it felt like we were literally at each other's throats and so one morning I took my coffee and I thought oh I'll just leave all that in the house and I'll go outside and I'll and I'll admire these two mares that were visiting my stallion. I'll just go out there and stand with them and, and just, you know, soak up the, the ambience and enjoy the view and whatever. So I take my coffee and I go outside and I'm standing in front of these two mares and they're about three feet away from me with a fence in between us. And I'm just standing there and admiring them, not thinking about, you know, my partner or, you know, anything else, just standing there thinking about these mares and enjoying that moment. Then all of a sudden, one horse lifts her foot and kicks the other one in the throat and severs her jugular vein. And so um, the the next few moments after that were pretty pretty intense. And horses have two jugular veins. I didn't know it at the time, but I, I discovered that when my vet arrived. And so she survived. And, um, and yeah, so she was okay after that. But uh, it took me about 10 days 
where I sat and I thought, you know, those horses were mirroring me, that they were responding to the energy that I'm holding. And so, you know, nothing is private what the horses are teaching me is that whether you're with a horse or you're with humans, if you've got that energy in your body, whatever it is, whatever story you're holding, which you're not dealing with, it's got a lot of charge. And so for me, I realize like my horses are not safe if I don't, you know, deal with my stuff. And so that, that then propelled me on another journey. <laughs> and through my trauma training, I, I, I developed some skills to actually move through and clear that stuff. And so, and that's what happens when clients come. If they're, they may come because they want to work on, you know, A, and then the horses go, uh uh-uh, we're going to do B, because B is what you're not dealing with. You, know, you might want to work on A, but we know that B has got more of a charge, or B is what, what you need right now. So they will show us um, in the form of their expression what's going on. And, you know, something like um, um, one of my horses, there was a pile of loose and hay, which, or alfalfa, I think you would call it. So... Um, pile of alfalfa hay on the ground and next to it was a dead branch with some berries and leaves and and um, I didn't know whether it was toxic for horses or not and the horse started eating the dead berries and the dead branch rather than eating the healthy fruit and I was curious about that and I and I said to my client so what's happening why why would this horse be got any ideas why this horse would be eating something which may not be good for it versus, you know, the healthy stuff? And she said, oh, she goes, I've got an eating disorder. So uh, we worked through that. But <clears throat> the horses will literally show us, whether it's metaphorically or literally, if they can, what what's going on in our lives that's, that's, that needs our attention. And um, so there's more than than just regulating our nervous system. They actually, they act out. And again, it's that energy that we carry. So the message that I get from that is that nothing's private, whether we're interacting with other people or we're interacting with horses. We carry that energy with us wherever we go. And at some level, you know, others are picking up on that and they're responding to that. And so it's like it's bouncing, it's bouncing back at us because they're responding, responding to us. So the horses work on that level too of showing us what needs to be dealt with. That is such an extraordinary story. I have to say, you know, the, um, the understanding of, uh, the intelligent beings who are um, yeah, right. And they have this ability to tune in, uh, whatever whatever way they do that, and uh, express what we are holding inside, and uh, become these profound healers and therapists for us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a um, an honor to be present with them and and see what they that what they show us. And, um, and, you know, part of what, what helps them to do that is that, um, I don't ride my horses. I don't train them. So they're not trained. They're not ridden. They're not conditioned. They're not controlled. They're like a herd of wild horses. They're a whole bunch of mixed breeds and most of them are rescues and they, and they just live as a herd. They, they live on 80 acres and roam and graze and just do what wild horses do. And um, and they come in for half a day and work with humans and um, and they're expressive because they have no fear of of being harmed or or controlled or dominated or anything. So they um, that the part that really um, you know expands my heart is the fact that they do this by choice. They don't have to. So. They, you know, I have I have a horse that has really severe arthritis, and sometimes she's in a bit of pain, and she'll walk all the way across the arena and 
and work on a client if she's compelled to. So she overrides the pain in her knee and goes all the way over there to work on a client. And to me, it's like, wow, you know, that horse, you know, there's something going on there that that horse is choosing to work with the client um, when it doesn't have to. So I have some theories around that. Um, if you go into more of the spiritual uh, world of, you know, that we're all one and that, um, you know, horses and humanity have perhaps some sort of a, a karmic contract to to evolve together and horses recognize that, you know, the, the planet as well as, you know, the, the horse species and everything else, everything on the planet is dependent on the humans healing their traumas and, and you know, uh, expanding into their their higher selves and so the horses will work with us to help us achieve that and as long as we hold trauma in our bodies as long as we hold dis-ease discomfort pain um, all those you know uncomfortable unprocessed emotions unresolved traumas they're all stored in our bodies and as long as we're holding that in our bodies it's like our, our soul can't drop in deep enough because our bodies aren't inhabitable. And so the horses are helping us move and clear those energies out so that our soul actually inhabits our bodies more. And when that happens, I see people, I see their faces like they they light up. There's literally a change in their, and the light that the people hold. And... Um, as they move the energies of trauma out of their bodies, and the horses help us with that, they um, they poop and they stretch and they yawn and and they bump us, they rub us. You know, they're working energetically to help move the energies out of our body, these discordant energies, and they're like drawing it out and helping to dispel it. And so, the more you know, I, what I see at the end of the session is a client that, that's lighter, that's brighter, that um, has more vibrancy. And so there's, there's more of them themselves, like their higher selves, is actually in control in their bodies. And um, the ego part of us, the small part of us, it, it kind of takes more of a back seat so that we can still cope in our physical world. But, yeah, there's, a, there's almost always there is a big shift in clients when they work with the horses because the horses are working on all those different layers. And, and as I said, I think they have a, um, that's their, that's their real purpose for being here on the planet. And, you know, if they have to be ridden to actually access a human, well then, okay, ride me because then I can at least have a, have some opportunity to have access to you. So it's not like they want to be ridden. But they they have a purpose as well as you know everything on the planet as we know has some purpose for being here. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it, that's so extraordinary, Cindy. As you're talking, I'm I'm remembering that uh, a while back, several years ago, I interviewed um, an author of a book. I think that the book was the boy who loved horses. I I may be wrong, but anyway, he had a severely autistic son. And, yep. you know, try as he may, right, that he couldn't really make contact with his child. Um, you know, he'd have these screaming fits, and it was, you know, obviously a really challenging time. And he had a neighbor who had a horse. And at first, he kept his son away because he thought the horse would react to the screaming kid. or He didn't, you know, he didn't know what was going to go on, but eventually... That little boy uh, started to um, interact with that horse and to ride with that horse, ride on the horse. And it was the only time when he had calmed down and was more relaxed and more present in interacting with that animal. So as you're talking, I'm remembering that experience yes. that he shared and and, yes. and and wrote a whole book about it. Actually, he, he took his son and 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 um, his wife and they went to the country which is the country that has the strongest longest history with a relationship with horses <laughs> do you know what that is do you know what that country is 
I know the book of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Mongolia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Mongolia. It was Mongolia, Mongolia. yeah. And he took his son yeah. to Mongolia because they have this long relationship with horses. It didn't always work out that way. I mean, his son didn't always like being with the horses, but they rode their horses. He rode, he took his son to, uh, a, a, to a, um, very remote interior part of Mongolia to, I mean, they had to go by horseback at a certain point. There were no more roads to visit a shaman who lived in reindeer yeah. country. And it was an incredible yeah. story because uh, her, his son got healed as a result yeah. of whatever yeah. happened in that adventure. But it was, you know, all yeah. about horses. Yeah, and... Um, I I have some autistic children come to my horses, and uh, the, the interesting thing is that they go straight up to the the horses behind and start patting their hind legs under the tail. <laughs> Almost every single one. I don't. I, I wonder whether it's less confronting for them than the than the head, because they don't have mm-hmm. any concept of being kicked. And my horses just stand like statues and. It's like they know, they know the capacity, they know that, you know, that person has um, got some compromised um, nervous system issues and um, and I work with adults who have Asperger's and it calms their nervous system down and, it, and one of the things the horses do is they really help us to feel safe because when your nervous system is calm, you're in the parasympathetic response, you're in that calm, resting, digesting part of your nervous system which you know, communicates that I'm safe. And, you know, when horses are laying on the ground and they're breathing slow and they're relaxed, of course, you know, they're in that safe space and they're and and it's like the that energy field that is resonating is just resonating safety. And so with uh people with Asperger's and autism they're highly sensitive to sound and to touch and, you know, uh, any anything that um, is different can be quite disturbing, as you know from that book, how that little boy was pretty extreme from memory because I, I remember reading that book and um, and things would set him off that, you know, you wouldn't, you couldn't anticipate. And the horses have a capacity to, to like, reset the nervous system and and I've seen you know working with the the autistic children and the people with Asperger's that it it brings their nervous system into more of a window of tolerance so that they can tolerate um, noise like birds for example one of my clients was really sensitive to birds and and sand wouldn't walk on sand and so um, after a few sessions their capacity to uh, to tolerate things that they wouldn't normally tolerate had really expanded. So I don't really have much of a, a explanation around that, except I just keep coming back to nervous system regulation. When the body is working the way it's supposed to, it's sending accurate messages about how safe am I and... Um, yeah, basically, it's what the body wants to know is how safe am I? And when the body says I am safe, it relaxes and there's more flow and then it starts to function. Uh, as you know, when, when we're in a stress response, um, our bodies hijack, our, our autonomic nervous system hijacks all of these functions like the heart and the lungs and and it suppresses the digestive system because it's like, well, I can't be digesting food if I'm if I have to run for my life and I have to I have to flood my brain with cortisol because it's too slow. So I'm going to go brain foggy because my brain is only going to get in the way if I need to make a, a life-changing, a life-threatening decision. I can't be slowed down with an analytical brain. So I'm going to slow that down. So other functions in the body too get compromised. And so, you know, I keep coming back to if the nervous system is regulated, the body is functioning the way it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah, quite amazing. You're doing such tremendous work, Cindy. Are are you training other people? Is there interest in what you are doing? Um, I have 
trained in the past. I have a, I have a, another, um, business, I guess it's called Center for, um, Experiential Learning, uh, Equine Experiential Learning. And, um, so I have trained, um, a few people in it. And it's, it's, and it's hard. It's hard to train people even though, um, I'm more than open to share it and, and, um, share my mistakes because then people can, can, you know, accelerate their skills faster when they know what those mistakes are. They can kind of skirt around them because I've, I've made about every mistake you can think of. <laughs> so, so I'm pretty, I'm an expert at mistake making. So yeah, I, I have trained some people. There are some people in Australia doing it. And it's a combination of skills. It's a combination of what your relationship is with your horses and also what your discipline is in terms of, of working with people, whether you're a coach or, you know, you're a psychotherapist or a counselor or an educator. So um, it's adapted to whatever their discipline is. Right. Well, I, I think it would be a you know, on one hand, um, something that is uh, an exciting field that, you know, you're really pioneering, but you need the skills that you've developed over the years as well to really do the kind of work that you're doing. Even though there are many people who are working with horses now and working with children or autistic children or people with post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, there's a lot of that work going on. It, it just sounds like you are creating your own variation on a theme of how best to do that. Um, I, I think that, you know, uh, well, for starters, it's the horses that have pushed me and by, you know, showing me that I don't have enough skills, you know, go out there and get more, get more, get more. <laughs> so they really pushed me to keep uh, exploring what what skills I need and and I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner, which is a um, is a modality. It's it's a, a body based modality for healing trauma, and I love it because a it works, and b um, it's it's predicated on the the question um, Dr. Peter Levine asked about 40 years ago, 45 years ago. He said, "Well, how is it that wild animals?" have the same autonomic nervous system as humans and they face life-threatening situations every single day and they don't get PTSD and humans do. What's different? And um, in a really simple process, there's a few steps that we, when we have a life-threatening situation, we then have to take an action whether we fight or run. So we have to actually execute a defense response and then we discharge the residual energy of the trauma, so we end up, you know, shaking, and and then the next step we do is we turn our heads on the ground, and that's the that's one of the keys. Is when it, when you're finished and you do your discharge, you turn your head and you look around, and that sends a message to the brain that coast is clear, I'm good to go, and it's over, and then that resets your nervous system so you're ready for the next threat in the environment, and humans. We don't often do that sequence. And so, you know, at some point that sequence gets disrupted, whether, whether we don't do it or we, we're not able to do it, we're not able to escape, whatever it is. If that sequence doesn't complete and the trauma gets trapped in our bodies. And so that, that modality teaches us how to access the energy that's trapped and to move and to allow the body to execute a defense response that it wants to and so moves the trauma out of the bodies. And, of course, the horses, they have the same nervous system as we do, so they get it. And when we're in the process of tracking that energy and allowing the body to execute its defense response, which could be something as simple as as um, punching a blanket, or uh, but it has to be done in, in a way that it gets activated and, and so... It's the body making the the, um, the choice to do the movement, not the head saying, oh, I'll just touch a pillow and feel better. It doesn't work like that. So there is a proper sequence, but the horses get it. And when when a person is in the middle of, of uh, executing a defense response, 
the horses will crowd around us and it's like yeah and what they're doing is they are they are co-regulating the client's nervous system so that they know that that that, that client can't get overwhelmed by the you know moving the energy out of their bodies because there's so many horses surrounding them and just pulsing this this powerful energy at them and their nervous system can't dysregulate because the energy field is too powerful. So they're able to actually move the energy of the trauma out of their bodies quickly and, and it's done. It's gone and it's permanent. So the horses, because of their nervous system and ours are the same and the horses get it. So I've been able to, through the guidance of the horses, I guess, is to combine the SE, the somatic experiencing modality with the support of 16 horses so that it, it makes that modality, you know, like multi-dimensional. It's quite powerful, um, more so than if, if I was working one-on-one with a client without the horses, then it's slower and, um, it yeah, it's slower and we don't go quite as deep maybe as quickly. So the horses, my, my biggest challenge is to slow the process down because I don't, we don't want it to go too quickly. But, you know, the, as soon as the, the client's body is in the energy of the horses, the body says, here's my chance. You know, I want to get rid of this stuff. Let me rip it out. And we're going, no, 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 slow it down. So, um, it's, it's quite interesting that the horses have such a, a powerful effect on us when, when the body knows that it's safe and it knows that it can discharge trauma safely. Well, it'd be pretty powerful to have 16 amazing horse therapists working on you at once. <laughs> you know, that would be an amazing experience. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you know, kind of like... I hope um, they get some... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's like being nuked. You know, the moment you walk into their space, you're nuked. You know, you're, your body's just being zapped by them, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> after after um, being with the horses for an hour, people often, um, almost everyone tells me that within two hours, it feels like they've been hit by a bus and they have to lay down and sleep. And sometimes the clients, okay. one client couldn't even uh, leave my driveway. She had to pull over and, and sleep in her car for a little while. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, because the body is recalibrating. It's like, whoa, you know, I've just discharged all this heavy toxic energy and now I've got to recalibrate and it takes energy to recalibrate. And so, yeah, (laughs) it is like being nuked. It's it's so amazing. I hope they get some good apples or some rewards, an extra carrot or something after the hard work they've done. (laughs) Yeah, they get their treats. (laughs) Um, Well, we've come to the end of this fascinating conversation, Cindy. Thank you so much for sharing the amazing work you're doing. I want people to check you out and go to your website, which is uh, freerain, R-E-I-N, like in reins of horses, freerainaustralia.com. Uh, and um, do you have another website as well that you want to direct people to? Or is that the best one? Uh, the other one is seahorse.com. So it doesn't have an A in it. It's S-E for somatic experiencing, sehorse.com. And okay, that so one S-E-horse.com. talks a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And that one talks more about what the horses do. And there's a picture in there of the lady in the, in the wheelchair with the horses on the ground around her. So... It's, um, it probably has a little bit more of an explanation of what we do with individuals. Okay, so uh, fantastic. People can go to C-S-E-H-O-R-S-E, seahorse.com. Cindy Jacobs, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. You're so inspirational, and say hi to your, to your herd for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go visit with you one day when I'm down under. Yes, absolutely. You have to come. <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to have Alrighty, you. Well, you, you take care. Have a great day, and thanks again for the wonderful work you're doing. Thanks. And uh, gosh, I got it. And I have to go. And remember to uh, fill your week with peace, love, and harmony. Bye for now. Bye bye. Thank you.